The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to South America today, where the soon-to-list Andean Mining is working towards becoming a high-grade copper gold producer with significant silver and zinc credits from an advanced project in Colombia. The project is called El Dovio and was picked up by Andean from a TSX-listed company that had done some serious work proving up the project's volcanogenic massive sulphide mineralization to the point where Andean gets a flying start to possibly announcing a maiden resource in calendar 2022. Now we know many Aussie juniors have headed off to South America hoping to find billion ton plus porphyry copper gold ore bodies which also come with multi-billion dollar capital commitments to develop. Andean has a slightly different approach. With large scale and low grade potential, it's definitely on the cards at Eldovio. The company looks to be initially focusing on the potential of the VMS system to support a smaller but high grade operation. And we all know grade is said to be king in the mining game. Andean is looking to come to the market in December and is looking to raise between six and $7 million from its IPO. Uh, the shares will be issued at 20 cents each. And at that issue price, its market cap would range between 5.3 and 16.3 million, depending on whether it raises the six or seven million. So there's a lot of leverage there to the unfolding story at El Dovio. To bring us up to speed with the Andean story, we have its well-known managing director and CEO, William Howe, with us today. G'day, William. Thanks for your time today. Uh, good, good morning, Barry. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Great. William, um, I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying that uh, you're a veteran of the mining game, particularly the uh, the copper riches of uh, South America. Um, and I've said uh, that while you're, you're well known, but for those who don't know uh, of your background, a snapshot of your professional career would be great. Yeah, I uh, started um, my professional career in South Africa um, in uh, in the gold mining industry, ended up coming to Australia at the end of the 80s, and uh, um, in the early 1990s, I set up a company called Straits Resources Limited with a, uh, a colleague of mine, Brian Rear. Mm-hmm. Um, after Straits Resources and, uh, and our foray into the copper leaching business at Girolambone and building a, a coal mine in Indonesia, uh, I spent some years running companies that had gold mines in Ghana, uh, came back to Australia, um, spent some time uh, operating uh, and running uh, high grades resources, and then eventually went to South America in about 2007. And we put together a portfolio of copper assets uh, that were uh, in a in a private company, and eventually backed into Metminco Limited. Right. So uh, I ran Metminco from 2010 to 20 to 2018. And after that, uh, put together this uh, opportunity into Andean Mining Limited. Right. Okay. So very uh, 
Richard, very background there, but uh, with quite a few years spent in uh, South America by the sounds of it. Yeah, so I, I've spent uh, almost 14 years in South America, uh, and of which uh, four years were spent in Colombia specifically uh, after uh, Andean purchased uh, the Kintia project uh, from um, Rand Merchant Bank and uh, advanced a feasibility study for the development of a thousand ton a day underground operation producing 50,000 ounces a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I left Metminko in 2018, it was, um, it was uh, merged with, uh, with, a, with another private company, an Australian private company that had assets in Colombia and eventually became known as Los Cerros, which people may know. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's doing a lot of exploration um, into some large porphyry, copper, uh, gold porphyry systems in and around the Kintia project, which I uh, did the feasibility on. Right, okay. Now, uh, Andy, in my mining's uh, flagship project, Eldovio, uh, what's the background to the project? I mentioned it was uh, VMS. I was just wondering how advanced it is and was I right in suggesting a maiden resource uh, is potentially possible next year? Yes, so um, Eldovio uh, has had substantial work done on it. There was underground development into the, the, main, the main structure that was, uh, that was explored uh, called Sabana Blanca. Uh, there was a lot of surface uh, exploration work done across the VMS system, which has located a number of feeder zones and has located uh, the main VMS horizon, although uh, it hasn't obviously intersected into the main VMS system yet. So all the work that's been done has been done in the feeder zones um, and specifically at Sabana Blanca, underground development, surface trenching and sampling uh, and diamond drilling into that zone, so which is identified as, as you mentioned, the possibility of a larger scale, lower grade operation, um, which would obviously require pretty hefty capital, mm-hmm. or a uh, a much higher grade, um, l- um, lower tonnage, obviously uh, lenses within the stockwork system, and we've identified seven of them already. Uh, which would uh, which would sort of host a, a thousand ton type a day operation mm-hmm. uh, for something like ten years as a starter operation. That's 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 the focus of the company. That that would be a a good outcome for a um, uh, for an initial uh, operation at, at Aldovia. Yeah, certainly a, a company that starts out life on the ASX with a uh, fifteen to sixteen million dollar uh, market cap at the issue price. Anyway, okay. Uh, now we've talked about these uh, VMS, uh, the high-grade lenses. Just how high-grade are they showing? Uh, are they? Well, if you look at consistently, um, the uh, the underground work, the surface work, and the drilling, which takes us down to a vertical distance of about 200 metres from surface, uh, you consistently see widths of around three to six metres, which are very good widths from an underground mining point of view. Uh, and the grades are consistently... Uh, on an average basis, somewhere between four and six grams of gold and probably about somewhere between two and a half and three and a half percent copper plus plus silver and and zinc. Uh, But about 95% of the value uh, on any one day would sit in the the copper and the gold Mm. rather than the the zinc. Interesting. Now, um, the metallurgy, um, importantly, uh, I understand the gold reports of the copper con. Is that right? Or would report to the copper con, I should say. Uh, yeah, 
Correct. We followed up uh, with um, with very detailed metallurgical test work after initial work that was done by the previous owners that demonstrated very high recoveries, but all of that work uh, sort of ended up with all of the con- with all of the metals in one concentrate in a bulk concentrate. Mm. What we needed to know is um, was it possible first of all um, uh, is to end up with the high recoveries and also end up with a copper and a zinc concentrate separated. Because often you, you end up with a lot of a lot of um, uh, of loss uh, in separating those concentrates, and and we don't see that. We see still very high recoveries, around ninety five percent for all the metals. But the most important issue that we, that we followed up on is that we wanted to know where the the gold and the silver reported, because zinc concentrates uh, are an issue in selling zinc to to zinc smelters. Uh, you don't get paid for gold in in the zinc. Mm-hmm. And um, I can say that about 94% of the gold and 86% of the silver report into the copper concentrate, which is a very important issue. For sure. Okay. So, <clears throat> William, tell us about the initial plans on listing. I, I take it there's going to be a, a heaps of uh, infill, extensional drilling, that sort of work initially? Yes. Yeah, so um, the, the idea is what we've, what we've, um, what we've designed is a, 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 an extensive surface exploration program across the whole of the tenements. Mm-hmm. Because there is uh, there is a lot of other opportunity uh, within the tenements to to uh, uh, to to increase um, the knowledge of those of those tenements, but specifically um, at Sabana Blanca, we've designed fifteen thousand meter infill and step out drilling program to bring uh, all of that mineralization that we that that has been identified to account and obviously into a maiden jork resource. Right. Okay. There are three other. Drill ready targets uh, within that uh, within that uh, package um, that we'll obviously be testing too. Because mm. everyone tells us that uh, VMS deposits uh, tend to occur in clusters, no reason why it would be any different in this part of the world. Yeah, well, um, exactly. I mean, as I said, you know, we were really seeing um, the development of seven lenses within uh, just within the confines of the Sabana Blanca Stringer Zone, right. and we know from uh, just up the road there's a there's a mine. Which is a VMS high-grade VMS mine called El Roble. It's owned by a company called Attico Mining, which is TSX listed. Right. Um, been operating for almost fifty years, and um, very few of the lenses that they've mined were actually exposed at surface. Most of them have been blind um, as they've gone down and mined down the uh, um, those those lenses. So. As a starting point, we know that we can see already see seven, but as we drill this thing out, we we would believe that both at Sabana Blanca and at these other targets um, that we're going to see uh, blind uh, lenses formed within uh, you know within the system. So, um, so there's there's still tremendous upside uh, within within the system to find uh, to find further lenses, high grade lenses. So, uh, William, Columbia. Uh... I would argue that uh, it's not well known amongst Aussie mining investors, even though companies like BHP and South32 have been there for years. What's the mining investment climate like for foreign investors coming into the mining sector there? Uh, look, uh, Barry, it's, it's improved substantially over the last um, probably sort of uh, 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Colombia has generally been, you know, fairly stable over the last 25 years or so, but it's had a stable government. Um, and it is now um, recognised uh, through the Fraser Institute as the uh, as the as the as the number one destination 
uh, in South America for uh, for mining investment. All right. Um, mm-hmm. And is I think ranked number five in the world um, for prospectivity. And I think probably mainly because it's un- been underexplored because of its history, and that's been the opportunity. So there are a lot of big companies there. Anglo Gold Ashanti have got some very big deposits there. Uh, as you as you mentioned, uh, BHP is there, Glencore's there in the, in a big way in the, in the in the coal mining industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a fled it's a, it's quite a fledgling industry from the copper point of view. Um, not so much from the gold point of view, in that historically there's been an, a lot of artisanal mining, although not um, you know not mining as we would know it in Australia. Mm. Um, you know, in a in a sort of a, an organised sense, but. Um, but just recently, um, uh, a company called Continental Gold, which was taken over by Zijin, um, brought on stream a 300,000 ounce a year underground mine mm-hmm. um, that is now in production. And, um, and so the, the, the environment is changing somewhat uh, in Colombia and uh, people are recognizing that because of its history of under exploration, there is tremendous opportunity. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's a good time to be there. Mm. I understand... Um as part of the, the well, uh, Fraser Institute has zeroed in on it, obviously, but the, part of the uh, explanation for the high rankings is that the, the country or the government has actually induced special, well, what you call uh, tax regions to encourage investment, to put the past behind and uh, get on with things. And uh, your project uh, actually sits in one of those, so there will be some tax benefits operating in that part of the world. Is that right? Yeah, it's called the Zomac Tax Benefits, and um, it it uh, it focuses on those municipalities that were most affected by the um, uh, by its past. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what that allows is that uh, the the company and the uh, and the municipality hold back fifty percent of the corporate tax for um, social and infrastructure work within the municipality. Okay, and that's an enormous incentive for for those municipalities to. To, to basically get behind um, development in those municipalities because they will um, uh, they, they they are going to benefit. Okay, yeah, good move. Okay, so how do you go about operating on the ground there? You've obviously got uh, Latin American experience, but um, do you have a, a local team, local management running the show? Yeah, so in uh, purchasing the um, uh, the project, we actually purchased the um, the uh, country uh, subsidiary of New Range when we purchased. Right. project and um, we, so we inherited the team that was already on the ground there which in, includes sort of legal administrative and and technical ability so we, we have an ability to hit the ground running mm. so these uh, obviously they know their way around uh, through the, the legal and the, oh yeah, yeah. 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 No, okay. people, people are well well versed <laughs> so we are in the uh, pre-ipo it's not far off but i was assuming there is a maiden resource next year i was just wondering can you give investors a bit of a rough feel for when you might progress into a pfs dfs you know final investment decision and yeah. perhaps scope out a potential annual production scenario at this at this stage well as i said we're so we're in 2022 we should complete um all the drilling that we require plus a a, a, a resource estimate hmm. and and push the button on a uh, on a scoping study, and we want we'd want to do a scoping study to make sure that we were looking at the best opportunity, whether it was the you know the lower grade massive operation or or the higher grade um, lower tonnage operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a from a company point of view, obviously that the the higher grade lower tonnage is is um, 
uh, is attractive because of the of the much lower capital costs that would be required, and obviously, company of of, the, of our size, um, you know, be well within our our means to do. Um, but certainly, in 2023, we would expect then to have, uh, given that uh, that everything's gone according to plan, uh, sometime towards the back end of uh, 2023, we would be within uh, with within a, a, a feasibility study mode, um, having been able to then complete the drilling and uh, and define exactly what um, uh, what uh, development op- option we were going to take. Yeah, okay. Obviously, you've been a fan of copper for a while, but uh, things have changed in uh, the last 12 months or so where everyone's talking about this uh, supply deficit opening up in 2025 because of the EV revolution or the electrification of everything in the world, essentially. Um so you could be nicely timed there in terms of first production, but I'm going to ask the Dorothy Dixer here. You're obviously a fan of copper outlook. Oh, look, I think I think uh, the copper outlook is you know is 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 pretty robust, and um, I mean you only have to look at you know today. I mean as we stand here today, um, the uh, the um, LME and NYMEX um, uh, warehouses uh, have got about two days consumption world consumption sitting in them Mm. Um, and generally you know the view has always been that there should be six weeks of consumption sitting in those warehouses uh, which is telling you that there's you know there's obviously a a supply issue here and um, and that's why we've seen uh, the copper price rise rise over the last six or seven months as we have seen you know Mm, okay and one thing uh, we don't have on the ASX is of course is near-term copper developers um, so do you see, just in a broad sense, do you see yourself more as a copper developer or a copper explorer at this stage? Oh, no, we, we, would, we would be seeing ourselves as a copper developer. Um, uh, we, you know, we've, we've got a very clear understanding of, of what, what we believe this thing is and um, uh, it's now a matter of just you know, putting, putting the final touches to, um, uh, to, to the knowledge base of the deposit exactly how it performs and where it where it goes, um, and then getting into the studies and getting those studies done. Mm, okay. Um, the there's not too many ASX juniors uh, operating in Colombia. I was just wondering, and obviously the focus initial focus will be on getting Eldovio into production. But do you expect to see other project opportunities potentially coming forward once you uh, you know build up your reputation and name in, in Colombia? Oh, absolutely. We, you know, we we're pretty excited about the fact that we're on the ground there. Mm-hmm. We have our ear to the ground. Um, you know, in this in this phase of of listing um, and getting ourselves up and running, we're obviously just marking marking a bit of time. But there are some tremendous opportunities out there in in Colombia and in that region, and um, we certainly will be taking advantage of those opportunities as we go forward. Excellent. Okay. All right. There we go, folks. An interesting uh, addition coming up in the copper gold space, one with near-term production potential to capture those uh, bumper prices. Analysts are forecasting for copper, which are actually here now, but um, I think we're, what, 440, 450 a pound, and Goldman Sachs the other day was saying 580 a pound by 2025. So interesting times. Uh, so with that, William, thanks for your time today. Good luck with all. Be watching with interest. Thank you, Barry. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.